The 12 Days of Restless. Day 8. And we are still in the 12 Days of Restless. Pastor Michael, as great as the 12 Days of Restless have been, I have to admit to you, fixing my own washing, my my own dishwasher the other day, is more rewarding than almost anything we've done on this podcast. Wow. Hey, look at that. That's great. Some real world stuff. This is why we're going to talk sometime about real world work and the importance of it. Uh, believe it or not, we don't just live here on Restless. We don't just live in the 12 days of Restless. We have real lives, real families, <laughs> real uh, obligations outside of this. We do love you all, though, and that's why we're here. We want to uh, we want to take part in these 12 days of Restless with you. So and hopefully you, can you enjoy take- it. Yeah, and you can take part of the 12 Days of Restless by doing what, Pastor Michael? By buying the Deacon of God. There it is. Buy it up, people. It's today. Today's the day you buy it. I know it. If you have not bought it yet, today's the day where you're going to log into Amazon and you are going to put down $2.99. What a deal. $2.99. That's nothing, right? Like, this This is nothing. Right. I, I am going to have to read... Jesus and John Wayne because of a dumb thing that we put out on Twitter that I would read it. And that book costs way more than $2.99. So, right. so if I have to do that, you need to go out and you need to buy this book, The Deacon of God. Or should, can I say you should buy The Deacon of God? <laughs> or or would you feel more comfortable, listener, if I said you can? I believe you can buy The Deacon I of God. I believe in you and you can do it right now. That's right. <laughs> This brings us to this wonderful day of the 12 Days of Restless, where we have come, we're going back to Twitter again, as you may have found us doing here on the 12 Days of Restless. We are going to discuss old friend of the show, old new Calvinist granddad, because his son is the uh, new Calvinist big name, Ray Ortland, no longer Presbyterian minister, now Anglican. Um, yeah, which, hey, again, we're getting these Anglicans on because we got to figure out what's going on. And you so know, what's going on with you guys? Old Ray posted a tweet uh, last week, right before the new year. And he said, as everyone is posting about their year in review and they're posting about their plans for next year, he posted this. My pastor friends, here's a crazy idea. In 2022, let's call a moratorium on the word should in preaching. Let's replace it with the word can for X rather than saying you should live a better life. Let's say you can live a better life and then and then explain gospel, not law. Well, you are you're right, Mr. Ortland. That is crazy. (laughs) That is a crazy idea. You were you were right to start that way. I feel I feel for him in, in that because it's something I do when I want to lay out like an idea that I know there's going to be pushback against. And I kind of just like you, you, you stop people from pushing back. You're like, well, here's a crazy idea. What if we just, <laughs> um, and so I get that, I get that vibe here. And so it's a bad habit I have, but pastor Michael this year, will you uh, allow me to take your sermon manuscripts, do a control F on the word should and switch them all to can for the coming year? It's actually just an interesting thing to think through. I wonder how much I actually use the word should, you know, I don't, I don't even know. It'd be interesting to uh, just find out. So maybe you could do it even just for that reason. Yeah, that would be interesting. So pastor Michael, we have, we have not chosen this tweet because 
we found this a laudable idea. I guess I should admit up front. <laughs> yeah, not too crazy about it, but it is our bread and butter. We've got, uh, you know, YRR superstar, and we want to uh, find out a little bit about what the heck is going on when he's involved in this internet controversy. Started to see this thing pop up all over the place. And uh, wow, look at that. Um, you know, maybe can we start by just saying that, you know, there's an awful lot in the Bible about what you should do. <laughs> and so it, it make it off the, like, it would make it pretty hard, I guess, uh, to preach scripture uh, as a whole uh, and say, well, I'm just going to, you know, switch some of this around yep. and say, you can do this. Yes. So Pastor Michael has brought us to what I'm going to call the first layer of bad, the, the bad that you, you should not, ha ha ha, which was a thing people <laughs> enjoyed pointing out on Twitter, say should. Let's just imagine you, how do you preach the Ten Commandments this year? Yeah. Hope that wasn't on, <laughs> hope that wasn't on, hope the Sermon on the Mount wasn't a, a sermon topic because you are like, just imagine trying to say you cannot murder as in you, sorry, you are able to not murder. You are able to not commit adultery, right? Do all the Ten Commandments that way. Do any of the, do any of the the law this way? But he does clarify. He's saying we should do this because he doesn't want us to do the law. He's right, gospel, not law. So that that I think brings us to what I'm going to describe as the second level of bad. the The second level of bad, which is let's not do the law for a year. Pastor Michael, do you find that as problematic as I would? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm currently working through Romans 7, because I'm going to be preaching Romans 7 over the course of the next uh, week, and then, uh, you know, actually you're preaching, I think, and then uh, I'll be preaching again, and so we have, you know, two uh, two different weeks I'll be preaching through Romans 7, but I've, I've just been reading it a lot and thinking through it and, you know, kind of working through it as, as uh, a text, and it happens to say that, you know, the law is holy, righteous, and good. You know, like this is like the, the law is holy. The commandment is holy, righteous, and good. The Paul very explicitly, as he is proclaiming the gospel, it is, it's interesting to note that like uh, he very clearly was, he knew that he would be accused of some kind of what we might call antinomianism, that he was against the law. He knew that that would come up in his preaching of the gospel. So it's one thing to say, hey, when you're preaching the, the complete and total free grace of God, that can, like, is not something that is merited, but it is given through faith. That, uh, like, when you hear that, and that is preached as Paul and as the scriptures preach it, it is possible for somebody to misunderstand that. And come away thinking, you mean that the law, the commandment, that like these things are not good and that they're bad. And because they condemn us in our sin, therefore they are bad themselves. And Paul makes it very clear that, no, that's not true, right? The reason you're condemned is not because of the law, but because of you, right? It's because of your sin. It's not the law itself. It's just that the law is holy, righteous, and good, and you are not. Uh, but it doesn't mean that he like shies away from using and preaching the law <laughs> like that the, these things go hand in hand they're not they are not to be they're not diametrically opposed in in this sense so, so you're saying it would bad to it would be bad to become an actual antinomian and say right. something like we shouldn't preach the law anymore right yeah like that is that is just antinomianism it is not good 
Also, what, that, should like, I title this episode one year of antinomianism? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one year. I think you should. Because even just think about the opposite, though, where he said, like, what what does the gospel mean? The gospel oh, yeah. is purely level three. You can. This, is, this is now <laughs> level three of the badness. level three of the bad. OK, if we accept right, if we accept the terms of this, if we say, you know what, that this law preaching would the way this is done is bad. Right. If we accept all that, we go, okay, great. I want to bring gospel, not law for a year. Here's the gospel, baby. You can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh oh. (laughs) All right. We took we took a wrong turn somewhere. Oh man, something something's not squaring up quite right anymore. If you were one of our listeners who are very concerned with the federal vision, this sounds pretty FV to me. We've brought obedience right on in here we to the go proclamation baby of the gospel. <laughs> you can do it and, that's and what the gospel means and that's actually very interesting now that i think about it is in the effort to get work to get the law out we've had to bring works back into the gospel they've made that they found a way to get their way there and also they've come in in a way that actually would kind of crush a lot of people yeah right like this is the, you know, the, the I, I mean, I, I think it's a, probably it's a Jerry Bridges thing, right? That if you preach the law like this, either what you're going to get is people who are proud, they can keep it, or people who are destroyed. Because if you tell a person struggling with a certain sin, and they cannot, for whatever reason, they have not been sanctified in this area, they are struggling. You can do it. You can this year do it. That would be crushing, right? The, the proper use of the law, of course, is you must do this. You should do this. And the fact that you don't is a discredit to you, is judgment to you. But by the grace of God, there is full forgiveness and pardon in Christ, right? That's the gospel. That's right. You hear the law and you say, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Like that's, that's the answer. And then Paul, for a chapter, glories in that, and that's then right. explains yeah. why it's an unbreakable chain. That's right. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's amazing actually. But this actually brings up a problem that we've pointed out before, and we will probably just go into again at some point. But this is ultimately the problem with what was often called like the gospel-centered movement. Mm. Uh, it is that it was not actually gospel-centered um, in its in its clear sense. But what it was, it was actually a, a removing of any category outside of gospel. And when you do that, what you have to do is you have to then include everything inside of what the gospel is. And like that becomes a crushing burden because the gospel actually becomes law. The gospel actually becomes that which condemns you, that which you have to like hold up and carry on your own. It becomes a new kind of pietism, right? Like you are just taking on for yourself this new way of doing things instead of receiving the free grace of God in Christ Jesus. And so this is like what we've said in the past and what, you know, again, we'll, we'll do more of this because this, this is something that I saw time and time again, guys who were deeply entrenched within the young restless reform movement. They were all about the gospel, right? We're all about the gospel. We're all about gospel centeredness. This is everything. And they were always like crushed under the weight of their sin. They didn't know like the, the grace of God. And it just became this new kind of pietistic act, right? Well, I'm going to, I'm reading all these guys. I'm like, I'm reading all the gospel centered books and I'm taking all the gospel centered classes. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing my Bible study in a certain way. And that is what makes me holy. That's what makes me the good guy. That's what makes me, you know, like the right before God in some way. And that's why there's so many problems with other people instead of actually like 
getting the real gospel, uh, which is the grace of God through the death, resurrection, and burial, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And so uh, like this, this just illustrates the problem that we pointed out. When you limit all these categories to just the one, you actually lose it. You lose it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, and right, this is, you're, you're talking about, I'm going to just throw out all the kind of popular terms for this redemptive preaching, uh, redemptive historical preaching. Uh, what do they call it? Christocentric preaching, gospel centered preaching. And for a sermon to be redemptive in, in probably the biblical sense, you have to include redemption. You can't just preach grace and faith. You have to explain why you need them. So that includes things like judgment, right? The fear of God. Yeah, wrath, sin. Yes. Right? This, this is all necessary to understand. That, that And that's what the point is, right? Why do you need faith? Because obedience didn't work for you because you're a rebel. So I, I think, Pastor Michael, we, we owe Ray one more thing in, in actual, probably in charity, is why would he say this? Why would he say this? That's a good question. Um, so uh, maybe he does have some kind of sense that people are, are feeling kind of the crushing burden of the law. And therefore, they really need to hear a word of, you know, of encouragement, word of, of peace that, you know, they're, stri- they, they're striving. They don't need to strive. Although then he goes to say, you can live this way as yep. if that's the gospel message. Like, that's not the, like, that's not the gospel. Uh, the gospel is not, you can live a better life. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Oh, it's it's just Jesus so bad. did, right? Yeah. It's finished. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you could, you could try to say, okay, he, he thinks that there are people that are suffering under the law, but this tweet even there does confuse it. And so it, it's, really, uh, it's really unfortunate. It's really un, unhelpful, I think, um, yeah. if he is trying to do that. I, again, I think this could be, he's one of the older, he would be one of the older leaders of the YRR movement, you know, reacting to this kind of, again, kind of from the South, this kind of legalism that's a big concern there. And I think this is just one of those moments about where you have to kind of read the place you're in. I got to tell you, Pastor Michael, I think all the legalists are dead. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that that is the presenting problem. Of it definitely day. is not. And again, this is probably something we've talked about a lot. Like the, the primary issue, if you're, if you kind of talk about the spectrum between legalism and licentiousness, I've got a, a feeling that almost everybody in the American church and he's talking to his pastor friends, right? I mean, he's talking to people that are in the church. I have a feeling that the vast, vast majority anyway, are much more on the side of licentiousness than legalism. Um, Although that's not to say that legalism isn't an inherent problem. throughout the church. Like I know that this is a sin that we struggle with, that this is something that happens. It just, it happens to be that licentiousness is much more common right now. And uh, so I, you know, I don't know this. It's such a, it's such a poorly worded way of doing things. Right. I, I mean, maybe right. that's all it is, right? Hey, I mean, sometimes you send out tweets and it's just like, you say something and you're like, maybe like that didn't make sense. I, I didn't mean to say it that way. You know, maybe he could clarify, but. Yeah, but Pastor Michael, just so you know, more than 2000 people like this on okay. Twitter. All so, right. 
I think perhaps well, it the said place- the word gospel. It said gospel, <laughs> not law. And people were just like, well, I like the gospel, you know, I don't like the law. <laughs> like, how many of us were like, yeah, gospel centered. I'm gospel centered. Like, I right. love that. Of course. Of course, I want to be that. So, Pastor Michael, I think we would do good to actually in 2022, listen to a word of warning from the original gospel centered preacher, Martin Luther. So Martin Luther wrote this uh book uh, or this track that I, f- I found this quote in that I've just found to be so good. It's, it's from his instructions for the visitors of parish pastors, right? And so he is writing about what kind of preaching needs to be seen in Germany. And so this is him thinking about how the Reformation is growing. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this and then and just make a, a comment in, in conclusion. In regard to the doctrine, we observe especially. So again, he's He's had pastors going out and he's, they're listening to the preaching they hear. And he's now reporting what's good, what's bad, what do they need to, what do they need to alter? In regard to doctrine, we observe especially this defect that while some preach about faith by which we are justified, it is still not clearly explained how one shall attain to this faith and almost all omit one aspect of the Christian life without which no one can understand what faith is or what it means. For Christ says in the last chapter of Luke that we are to preach in his name repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Many now talk only about the forgiveness of sins and say little or nothing about repentance. There neither is forgiveness of sins without repentance, nor can forgiveness of sins be understood without repentance. It follows that if we preach the forgiveness of sins without repentance, that all people imagine they have already obtained forgiveness of sins becoming thereby secure without compunction of conscience. This would be a greater error and sin than all the errors hitherto prevailing. Surely we need to be concerned, lest, as Christ says, the last state shall become worse than the first. Therefore, we have instructed and admonished pastors that it is their duty to preach the whole gospel and not one portion without the other. For God says in Deuteronomy 4.2, you shall not add to the word nor take from it. There are preachers who now attack the Pope because of what he has added to the scriptures, which is unfortunately all true. But when these do not preach repentance, they tear out a great part of scripture. So Pastor Michael, Luther realizes the power of the gospel, the power of faith alone, starts teaching it to other pastors, and 10 minutes later goes, whoa, if we don't preach repentance, and e.g. the law, along with it, this is going to be worse than it was under the Pope. Hmm. Yeah, this is so, I mean, it's just, this is such a common thing that happens. It seems like where, you know, this is the, like, you know, the red letter Christian type approach, right? Like, well, Jesus says this. And so if Paul said something else, well, I really like the words of Jesus. Well, it's like, this is all God's word, right? Uh, God spoke uh, the 10 commandments and he spoke second Peter. And he spoke uh, the gospel of Luke and like all of these, all of these things are the revelation of God together, right? This is the canon of scripture. And so when you try to take out any piece of it as if it were unneeded, unimportant, uh, you know, unnecessary for the Christian life, what you're saying is that God has revealed something that's no longer necessary. Now you want to have a proper understanding. You don't want to say, well, Leviticus tells me I can't, you know, uh, eat certain things and whatever. Well, okay. Well, that would be a misunderstanding uh, of the law and the place of the law in the Christian life. And admittedly, this is a difficult thing to uh, comprehend 
at least to a certain extent, um, at, at least any, any bit in depth, uh, what exact like role the law plays within the Christian life and how it is to be used. But nonetheless, it is still necessary. Uh, the very fact that God has revealed it, the very fact that God has given us these things should put us in a position where we say, whoa, 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 I, I don't want to say gospel, not law. I want to say, I'll take all of scripture. I'll take it all. And I know that the gospel informs my understanding of what the law is for in my life now, now that I, I am in Christ and he has fulfilled the law on my behalf and he has taken the penalty that I deserved because I was condemned by the law because of my sin. But nonetheless, uh, I still need all of it. So why is it? What is it? And, and where has God revealed that to me? Why I need it? Uh, that, that's a much healthier approach. Join us tomorrow for even more Restless.